Welcome to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast, where the cross and the culture are on a collision course for discussion. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require signs, the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Under the Jews a stumbling block, under the Greeks foolishness, but under them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now, here's your host, Thomas Irvin. Judges chapter 2, so we'll pick up, we're talking about the ministry that angels have to the nation of Israel. Judges 2, verses 1 through 4, and an angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochim and said, I made you to go up out of Egypt and have brought you unto the land which I swear unto your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you, and you shall make no league with the inhabitants of this land. You shall throw down their altars, but you have not obeyed my voice. Why have you done this? Wherefore, I also said, I will not drive them out from before you, but they shall be as thorns in your sides, and their God shall be a snare unto you. And it came to pass when the angel of the Lord spake these words unto the children of Israel, that the people lifted up their voice and wept. Well, God told them, don't don't play with this angel. (laughs) And they didn't listen. And so now the angel says, I'm I'm not going to drive out the inhabitants of the land. You're on your own. I'm not going to help you. And so they lift up their voice and they weep and they cry. but, But why not just do what God asked? And then receive the help that God promised. Rather than having to, to weep and to mourn uh, because, you, because you didn't do what God asked. So, so th- these are instances where angels ministered to the nation of Israel. But let's, let's go back to Michael. Look back at Daniel 10. Daniel 10. And let's read verses 10 and through 13 again. And, and, and with a focus on Michael. And behold, an hand touched me, which set me up upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands and said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee and stand upright for unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Then said he unto me, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God. Thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, 
And I remained there with the kings of Persia. And so here you have this angel trying to come to Daniel and and give the word of God to Daniel. And what is that revelation about? The latter days related to who? Daniel's people, right? And so because of this, this... This relationship to what this angel is trying to accomplish, he calls upon Michael to to help him get down to where he needs to be. And um, Michael, who, who is called their prince, look at verses 20 through 21. Then said, then said he, knowest thou, wherefore I, I come unto thee. And now will I return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I am gone forth, lo, the prince of Grecia shall come. But I will show thee that which is noted in the scripture of truth. And there is none that holdeth with me in in these things, but Michael, your prince. All right. And so when he calls Michael Daniel's prince, what's he referring to? It could be Daniel individually. Daniel is greatly beloved and and, and obviously has a special relationship in heaven. But it it seems when when you take all the scripture together, Related to the idea, it seems to be more broadly for the nation of Israel, related to the nation of Israel. Look at chapter 12, verse 1. And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even uh, to, that t- to that same time. And at that time, thy people shall be delivered, everyone that's, that shall be found written in the book. All right, so that, again, that's Michael standing up, directly related to the tribulation, and, and it's finally coming to an end. But he's called the, the great prince that standeth for the children of Israel. And, um, and he, he's standing for them, Defending them, helping them, ministering to them, providing the word of God to them, helping the word of God to get to them. And um, and obviously has this direct ministry to that nation, which is very interesting. Uh, You hear a lot of things about angels and about Michael and Gabriel and and much of it is not true. (laughs) It's just made up. You see all the paintings and all the pictures and all the things that are going on. And, and it's just, um, I, I don't fault someone who has an imagination and wants to try and depict some of these things. Uh, the problem is when those are made religious ornaments that, that people, you know, become attached to. And, you know, I, I think I've told you before, I saw a documentary once with this guy. He went to Saudi Arabia and he was allowed to interview all these teenagers in Saudi Arabia and he would hold up a picture and ask them who is this and it was a picture of what was supposed to be Jesus and they were like I don't know who is that <laughs> they had no idea who the picture was because only in the west does Jesus have this long flowing beautiful white man's hair and white man's face and and uh, looks like a supermodel that, that you would see in a magazine that's just that doesn't fit the description of Jesus Christ in the Bible. The Bible says he had, he had no, his, his face, it was not something that you would desire to look upon. He was very plain. He was very, 
um, if you could say it this way, boring in his um, in the way he presented himself and the way he looked. Now, I do believe he was probably a big and powerful man. He had no sin in his body. He was a carpenter in a day when um, you had no power tools or electricity. I mean, you had to do everything manually. So he was probably a big and powerful man, but he wasn't attractive to look at. And so all the modern renditions of him, he, he looks like some, you know, beautiful white man that that is kind of weak and frail. And that's just not, that's just not, I don't think that's accurate at all. Right now, the ministry of angels in a more broad context. Right, so we've talked about their ministry to Israel, but the Bible says other things about them. So let's look at some of these and, um, and then we'll close out the book. Look at Colossians 2, verses 16 through 19. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or of, a, or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding the head from which all the body uh, by, by joints and bands have, having nourishment ministered and knit together increases with the increase of God. So yeah, the, the Bible says there's far too much confusion about angels. Don't be beguiled. Don't be deceived. Don't be tricked into worshiping angels. Don't be tricked into looking for angels. You know, people say, oh, I saw an angel. You have no idea what you're talking about. D- did you see what happened to Daniel in Daniel 10 when he saw an angel? <laughs> you know, falling on his face, trembling, weak. And people just, they flippantly, oh, I was talking to an angel. Really? You see, I mean, when, when John was talking to an angel, he fell at his face. He fell at his feet. And the angel was like, no, get up. <laughs> I'm one of your fellow servants. All right, so it, it just, if you, you were talking to an angel and you knew you were talking to an angel, you're not going to like just shake his hand. Like, how was your day? You know, what's going on? What's heaven look like? <laughs> I don't know what you think this is because in the Bible, when people saw an angel, it was, it was an incredible, outrageous event that drove many of them to their knees. And people today just walk around. They just, oh, I saw an angel. An angel. God sent an angel to talk to me. No, he didn't. <laughs> no, no, he didn't. Most people's understanding of angels come from mythology rather than the word of God. The Lord said, don't be beguiled. All right, reading your Bible about angels, I mean, we're going to do it all, for the most part, the majority of it tonight. Outside of what we've looked at tonight, there's not much else in the Bible about angels. There's no indication that you and I are going to be kicking back and, and, and knowingly talking to angels. Now, we're going to see angels apparently minister to us in certain ways, which is great. It's a blessing. Um... But I think most of it we're unaware of. And, and the Bible says that if you, you know, in this dispensation, if you encounter an angel, it's not likely you would even know it. You would you'd just be a man walking right by. You wouldn't even know that you, would, you, would, you had entertained an, anal, an angel. And so it's, it's just best not to get caught up in those things. Don't be so enamored with angels that you lose focus on the head 
That's what this passage is about. Why are you being beguiled by all these other things? Christ is the head. Why not focus on him? Why not be enthralled with him and and excited about him? Um, Just to remind ourselves, look at Daniel 10 again. Daniel comes into contact with this angel and he's... Let's say you did receive a vision from an angel. Well, this is what happened to Daniel. Verse 11, And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright, for unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. But people are so flippant about this idea. They just, I was just hanging out with an angel. God sent an angel to talk to me, and and he told me what God's going to do with my life. Well, when Daniel got this truth from an angel, he stood trembling. Why is your encounter so drastically different from that of Daniel's? It just, you're not going to convince me you're better than Daniel in some way, or, or you have more courage or more understanding than Daniel. It's just not, not, not likely. Look at verse 17. For, now can, uh, for, for how can the servant of this, my Lord, talk with this, my Lord? For as for me, straightway there remain no strength in me, neither is there breath left in me. This, this encounter wore Daniel out. And people just, they just, oh, we were just talking and hanging out. He told me all this stuff about my life. No, either you were drinking, you took the wrong medication, or, or you need a hospital. Uh, something's not right. And so their, their response, their encounter is so different from Daniel's. Look at Matthew 18. This one's really interesting. Verse 10. Matthew 18, verse 10. Take heed that ye despise not one of these little ones. For I say unto you that in heaven their, angel do, their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. Now that's very interesting. And so if you, if you just take this verse alone, and it's only all we got. So we, we can't build a whole doctrine about this from this one little verse. But the idea seems to be that children have an angel or a group of angels who watch over them. And that make you want to be a little more careful how you treat children. <laughs> and those angels do always behold the face of the father. What do they do? Are they reporting on what's happening? Are they reporting on someone abusing a child, misleading a child, um, you know, uh, turning them away from Jesus Christ? I mean, what? we don't know. But there seems to be this group of angels who watch over children and they constantly interact with the Father in heaven. That's pretty amazing. And kind of a blessing with two small children knowing that God has that level of concern for a child. That's that's incredible. So uh, just be careful how you treat children. Be nice, even if they smell or act bad. (laughs) Uh, Look at Hebrews 1. Hebrews 1, verses 13 and 14. But to which of the angels said he at any time, sit on my right hand 
until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Are they not all ministering spirits? Now listen to this. Sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. Now that, that should really blow your mind. Raise your hand if you're an heir of salvation. Trusted in Jesus Christ, you belong to the Lord. All right, you're an heir of salvation. And according to God, these spirits are sent forth to minister to you on on, on your behalf in in some way. And so, how do they do that? We don't know. I mean, there are a number of possibilities. If you go and you look at what angels have done all through the Bible, I suppose you could use that to build a characterization of what they do for us. Um, but we don't, we don't have this direct contact with them that people did in the Old Testament or even in the New Testament throughout the book of Acts when people encountered angels. Now, the Bible does say there is a day coming when, when unclean spirits begin to reveal themselves and make themselves manifest, and that's not going to be good. Uh, it's it's, it's going to be a wild time, and, and you don't want to be deceived or beguiled by angels. We don't worship angels. We don't build doctrine on angels. We don't, we just, we look what the Bible says about angels, praise the Lord for it and move on because there's not enough information there to, uh, to be emphatic or dogmatic about much of anything regarding angels other than you didn't see one the other day in, in your vision. <laughs> right? We could be pretty certain about that. Um, though some people are so, I mean, they, they are certain, but God sends these angels. They are ministering spirits. In fact, Hebrews 1, look, look, at, look further back in Hebrews 1. Uh, look at, just start in verse 1. God, who has hundred times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world, who being the brightness of his glory... And the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the, on the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained more, a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And, and again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world and saith, and let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he saith, who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. But unto the sun, he saith, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever a scepter of righteousness is a scepter of thy kingdom. So these angels, they are, they are ministers They are ministering spirits who do whatever God needs, whether it's for the nation of Israel, whether it's for children that they they watch over, whether it's for those who are heir unto salvation. If it was ministering to Jesus Christ when he was in the flesh and had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, whatever it is that that God needs, they're there for him at his beck and call. They're not there for us to dream about have visions about it's just that's not we have the complete word of God we don't need further revelation outside of the word of God from angels all the way in the New Testament when when Cornelius saw that angel what the angel tell him to do go get Peter 
Why didn't the angel just tell him? The angel could have given him the gospel, right? He said, you need to go get Peter. Peter will come and tell you the words, the words that you need to hear. And so he, he did that. He made sure to do that. All right, now, the angel's delay, the angel gives Daniel an explanation as to why it took so long to answer him. I don't know what Daniel's expectation was. Probably like ours. Lord, I prayed two minutes ago. What, what the, what's the holdup? <laughs> Maybe Daniel's a little more patient, but uh, the angel gives Daniel an explanation why it took him so long to answer him. And he was prevented by battle for 21 days. There exists kingdoms of fallen angels whose purpose is to keep the world in darkness. Look at Ephesians 6. And we read verses 10 and 12. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, what, what would be included in that? Verse 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. All right, so that there's... There is obviously a spiritual battle that's going on that's, that, that ensues all around us. And in order for us to engage properly in that battle, we need the whole armor of God. If you leave something out, you're going to, you're going to fail to engage in the battle or you're going to be useless in battle. God says, here's the armor. Put it on. You need it all. And if you leave something out, you're not prepared for battle. And if you're not prepared for battle, you're not going to go to war. And, and so because so many Christians fail to put on the armor and so many Christians fail to engage in the fight. Another soul dies. Another soul dies. Another soul is lost. Another soul is lost. Because this battle that we're fighting in, it is 100% spiritual. And one of the greatest examples of it is the temptation of Jesus Christ. Satan said, why don't you turn this stone to bread? It is written, man shall not live by bread alone. I can give you all the kingdoms of this world. Get thee behind me, Satan. It It is written, it is written, it is written, it is written. The word of God, the, 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 the answer to what's going on in the world around us is obedience to what God said about that situation and about that scenario. And if you don't engage in that way, then what you did was you left your shield at home. You left your sword at home and you said, I'm going to try and go through this battle on my own. And you're going to get hurt. You're going to hear Jesus I know and Paul I know, but, but who are you? <laughs> uh, I'm someone without a sword. Please don't hurt me. <laughs> and so you, you, you're dealing with principalities. That, that, those are areas that are governed by a prince, a principality. You're dealing with powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. So, so what it looks like is that Satan has his kingdom organized into kingdoms and principalities. 
Satan's dividing lines also appear to correspond with the national boundaries of various countries around the world. So is there, is there a prince of Russia and a prince of Ukraine and a prince of America and a prince of England and a prince of Uganda? Does Satan have all that organized in that way? Or what if there is no, there's a prince in, over Russia that belongs to an, is an unclean spirit, but there wasn't one over Ukraine. And the one in Russia said, I think we can take that place. <laughs> and made a mistake. <laughs> it was a little harder to take than they thought. And so, you know, you, you, the, the, the unseen spiritual battles are taking place constantly. But the people who should be prepared to fight spiritual battles... They're napping or working or sleeping. They're not praying. They're not reading their Bible. They're not preaching the gospel. They're not engaged in the battle. And so evil men and seducers show acts worse and worse. I wonder how much of that is because there's just nobody. There are not enough people actually combating that. What if all the, the actual Christians in Uganda stood firm on the word of God? And went out and did everything that they're supposed to do. What if all the Christians, the, the, the people professing actual Christians, not, not the ones who just say it, but actual Christians in America stood firm on the word of God? What would our country look like? In China, in China there are, I mean, they say there are millions and millions and millions of Christians in China. There's a massive underground network of churches all through China. What if they all stood firm and did what they were supposed to do? What would it look like? The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Well, how do gates overcome a church exactly? Well, if the church isn't doing anything, you just pick the gates up and move it out further. <laughs> there's, I mean, there's nobody here. Let's just move it further. <laughs> They're not prevailing against the church. There's just nobody to fight against them. It's like a Ugandan neighbor who just keeps building his fence further and further <laughs> on his neighbor's property. <laughs> our, our, the school at our house, they built a building on our wall. <laughs> what are the, the, wall the back wall of one of their buildings is our fence. <laughs> and so they just keep encroaching and encroaching and encroaching and encroaching and and. That's all the gates of hell are doing. They're just, I mean, there's nobody here to fight us, so let's just move it out a couple of inches. A couple of weeks later, there's still nobody here. Let's just move it out a couple of inches. And next thing you know, they've taken massive territories. I mean, they haven't taken, it was just, it was free for the, it was free, to, it was just free to have. Nobody was there. And so if God's people aren't going to engage and, and, and fight and, and do what God needs us to do, then uh, you can imagine this is not going to go well. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can learn more about our ministry by visiting www.plenteousredemption.com. You can hear more Plenteous Redemption podcast audio at www.plenteousredemption.media. Please comment below if this podcast has been a help to you. Also, inform us of future topics that would interest you. Thank you again for listening to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast.